Hello and welcome to another episode of the Authentic Path Podcast. This is your host, Phelan Sugarman-Lash. On today's episode, I interviewed Jake Borden, who is a photojournalist, and he's from my hometown, which is super cool. He has been all around um, Asia and Central Asia, and he is working on some really, really cool projects, all about trying to bring more visibility to the people who need it most in the world. This was a really good conversation and one of the first that I did with the podcast, uh, so I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of the Authentic Path Podcast with Jake Borden. But first, a word from our sponsor. Creator Academy is a platform that was built to help aspiring creatives succeed by teaching them how to upgrade the quality of their work and how to make money. If you've ever wondered how those photographers and models you see on Instagram are traveling all around the world, you can find the answers inside Creator Academy. Danny, my first guest on the show, and Kevin, his co-founder, are super genuine people who've created this platform because they want to help you live out your dreams. They've created over 50 hours of content that will directly empower you to get brand deals with hotels all around the world, learn how to build passive income streams with photography and videography, and become a better artist. They teach you how to grow your Instagram following and even offer to help you one-on-one. This is a really incredible opportunity, and I couldn't have asked for a better sponsor of the show because their mission lines up so well with my own. If you want to learn more, go to phalan.com CA. That is F-A-O-L-A-N.com CA, which will also be linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for checking it out, and enjoy the podcast. Three. All right, Jake, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you. And um, for those of you who don't know, we are from the same hometown in the Berkshires in Massachusetts, um, which I definitely want to talk about a little bit. And then you are a photojournalist who has traveled around uh, Central Asia and other parts of the world to learn about conflict is your main area of study. Um, yeah. So just to get started, uh, what was it like growing up in the Berkshires for you? And then how did you like make such a drastic change to be a photojournalist? Uh, that's a great question. Um, very lucky to have grown up in the Berkshires. Um, I grew up on a farm in upstate New York and I went to the Rudolph Steiner school, which kind of brought me to Great Barrington. That's how I grew that connection. And then I went to Monument. Uh, mountain. So that was my um, true connection. After high school, I went to New Zealand and I backpacked across the country for about six months. And I came back and I was feeling a bit lost. Um, so I did kind of like the community college route and I found um, a story in National Geographic that really blew my mind. Um, about this man, Paul Solipak. He's an award-winning journalist, and he's mapping the path of human migration from Ethiopia to the tip of Chile. So he's walking for 12 years across around the world. And I looked into that story a bit more, and I found out the photographer who is assigned to the story uh, is from the Berkshires, and he lived about 10 minutes away. Um, Awesome. So I emailed him. I asked if he needed an assistant or an apprentice of anything. And we met and we kind of hit it off right away. He's the craziest man I know. And um, we agreed to a formal year-long apprenticeship, uh, which saw me managing his archive. He's been to about like 160 countries. He's covered conflicts, natural disasters, everything for Time Magazine and National Geographic for about 30 years. So that was an education in itself and just being able to um, see a photo archive of a million photos and what uh, the production behind a national geographic story looks like. So I got to work with him on a couple of 
those projects where he would go out in the field. I would assist while he was out and then I would help manage production when he was home. Cool. Yeah. So that's kind of what drew me to photography in the first place. So did you do photography before you found him? This is John, right? Yeah. Yeah, Um, I did a bit, but more as like just a hobby and um, is my like go-to way of making a living at the time. I like would assist other photographers and um, I got a job at the local magazine photographing. Cool. It's, it's a fun way to make a living. Um, but working with him, I realized the much larger world of photojournalism that exists out there. Yeah. So this podcast is all about like explaining and helping people kind of do life differently. And um, first of all, you know, before you even met John and, and realized you wanted to do photojournalism, like you were already doing something a little different, right? Like you went straight to New Zealand yeah, and, and backpacked, which is super not normal and, you know, a beautiful, great decision, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure you like learned about independence and, and choices that you wanted to make on that trip too. And then getting back, you know, you were doing photography, you weren't working at a local restaurant or um, ice cream shop or, or like bartending or anything. I did you know, that, like, by the way. I did the rest of the ice cream shop was the first job in high school. Yeah, I did that also. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I just like, what what do you think is different about you? Or, or how did you start um, doing something a little bit differently, just like straight out of high school? Uh, that's a great question. I think there's a million um, ways to answer that, right? Like there's the arrogant side of me that says like I wanted to do, I didn't want to subscribe to what was told to me my entire life is you do X, Y, and Z and you kind of have this. Um, so there is definitely that. There's also some uh, a family trauma that had happened that I kind yeah. of just wanted to take some space and figure things out for myself for a while. Um, but yeah, I think it mostly comes back to like I, what I really love about your podcast and what you're talking about is there are millions of way to lead a life. Like there's literally 7 billion different ways that you can lead a life. And my trip abroad right after high school just confirmed that I just met all these people who were living in such interesting, drastic, cool ways that like really spoke to them as people and what, and they like were living their purpose and truth in the world. And that mm-hmm. had led them to such far corners of the earth and, and doing profound work. And I, that really inspired me. So that really stuck with me when I came home. Like, wow, it's not like what I was told in Massachusetts that like you kind of go to high school, hopefully you get into a good, like you go to UMass and then find a job afterwards and settle down. Right. Yeah. So uh, those other people I think are trending so far in terms of the inspirations, you know, going out into the world and just seeing that other people are doing this is, is the first trigger for a lot of people to realize that they can do it. Um, I traveled a little bit in Southeast Asia and met the same kind of people who were backpacking for like two plus years, you know, and working remotely sometimes or just pausing and working for a few months and then traveling again. And those people just kind of show that there are so many different ways to live life. And there are whole communities out there in the world, of digital nomads and stuff. So absolutely, that was like your first introduction into the possibility was in New Zealand. And then you came back realized you had the skill for photography, wanted to use that to make some money. And then that transferred into a passion from a hobby. And then with the the addition of a purpose, you kind of made it into a a life, right? Yeah. And I think um, emphasizing the purpose aspect of it is really what I learned with John. um, Because 
I didn't, I, you know, like photography is one of those things that has the potential for being very vain. Yeah. And working with John was just like a mind expanding experience of like the power, at least it used to, and hopefully it does of like photojournalism as for social impact and for expanding minds and showing people what exists on the other side of the world. And that, I mean, especially the work he does and his agency seven who I've started to try and align myself more with like they just do like really like human rights based work which i think is really important and it kind of cuts through i think it's a medium that like i haven't found anything else that really sticks as much as that because you could just have like a, a single image that speaks so much that like can take a whole issue and narrative and put it down to this one thing yeah absolutely before we get into that whole impact thing, which I think is really important, uh, I just want to touch on your apprenticeship and how you just emailed him. Um, I think that's pretty unusual. And, you know, in this world today we live in where so many people are told, you know, get a job, go to college, not necessarily bad order. Um, this whole idea of an apprenticeship with someone doing something you love is really an unfamiliar one. So what was, was there, you, were you nervous to reach out to him and how did your how did that happen? And do you think it's doable for other people to do that? Yeah. Um, I would highly recommend it to anyone. Um, I did it on a whim of more like I have nothing to lose and I'm going to use that hometown connection to just, you know, go say hi. And I really wasn't expecting anything. I was just like, I think he's, I'm really interested in the things he's interested. Maybe I can go have a conversation. Um, but through that, it just made me realize how, how eager people are to help younger people like and i i highly emphasize that like if you are interested in something reach out to someone who is a master in that field or just really well known about it because more often than not they are willing to help you if it's not even directly it's indirectly of just putting you in touch with someone who knows something about it or resources to go about and that's really like how this my whole career has been unfolding is just that one lesson of reaching out to someone over email what's the worst that can happen is they just say no or if they don't you don't get a response but more out of time people are happy to be able to share advice and skill sets that they've learned throughout the years because they know what it was like getting started Um, yeah so there have been infinite people who've taken me under their wing in different circumstances the farther i've ventured out into the world Cool. That's a pattern for sure among people who are living lives that are different is just, you know, reaching out for and asking for help. Um, and I think that's really important to emphasize. So cool. Another, another one of those people. Ask um, for help no matter when you can. Like, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for that. Cool. Okay. So moving into the purpose, um, there's your personal purpose and then the purpose of uh, your photography. Are those two in line and is photography kind of a tool for you to uh manifest your purpose in the world and can you just talk a little bit about how you came to that and and what you were trying to do well well, that's a great question and that's absolutely one i'm still trying to find right like i'm still trying to find my voice and what my issue is and um then unfortunately there's the whole business aspect of things of like where you need to be kind of need to create a niche for yourself um but in terms of purpose, I, I think, and again, I don't want it to be, it can come across as arrogant or egoic or like soapbox or even like um, like a savior is, but it was um, a workshop and I 
I'd be happy to talk more about those because I think those are great learning opportunities as well. Um, but I did a workshop in the Republic of Georgia, um, and I just wanted to do a story on people who were kind of living in the margins of society. And I stumbled across this whole community who were refugees from this conflict that no one really talks about anymore. But it was mm. after the breakdown of the Soviet Union, all the um, Soviet states broke into separatist regions and fought these wars for about a decade. Um, wow. There's about half a million people in that one country. So I did the story on that. And that kind of sparked a like, oh, if you like there are people in need and you can bridge the gap between the people who can do something versus the people who like need something done. Like that's how I see it is you can be a prism. Like I, I can't do anything like you can volunteer and help, but if you can like, if you can spread awareness, that's what I think photography has a huge potential for. Yeah. That's cool. I think, uh, I've done some work with social entrepreneurs and enterprises and, pretty much what I've noticed the pattern is, is just connection, right? Social entrepreneurship is the connection between people who don't have access and people who do have access usually to money. Absolutely. So it's cool that you're doing that same thing with photography. Um, so I went to Ghana this past summer and was living in rural Ghana with some really impoverished people. And I brought my camera and had such a hard time taking pictures of these people because I didn't know how to do that respectfully. Um, what, what has been your experience? Like, taking pictures of, of people and communities and how have you integrated yourself into them without, you know, being too aggressive or just talk to that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely a tough one. And it's one that you carry guilt with and it's a really touchy subject, right? Like, I mean, um, this is where workshops have been great because they teach you the ethics behind things, mm. which is a really important one. Um, especially for freelancers out in the field, like you, you know, you learn ethics, like either the hard way. So I've been trying to do a really um, thorough job of like figuring out what it's like, what it's helping, what's hurting and like, and ultimately how to build connections. So um, I always work with a translator, someone who's local from the field. We call them cool. fixers, um, but they're more friends and they're just people who like, who know the community really, really well. And it's really that person who facilitates the bridge or else I would just be coming in as a tourist and like just um taking photos which I guess ultimately I am but I do have the media connections on the other end so that's kind of where I see the difference but um yeah it's, it's a touchy subject and it's um it's all about building rapport and trust and ultimately wanting the people to have their photo taken like I never take a photo that someone doesn't want me to take that's a big one so no sneaking photos mm. um and yeah um let's see on that project we spent about 10 days and my translator we found this building where all these people were living and by the end of the week everyone wanted were dragging us from room to room because they wanted us to tell their story because they were having such hardship um wow. and then i built on that project to kind of just talk about the issue of statelessness worldwide um, because that's the broader topic and it's it's one that affects about 70 million people around the world it's just the fact that once you have to flee your country you end up as a non-citizen in someone else's country and all the social um, effects that has so I lived in Lebanon 
for about two years um, reporting on the aftermath of the Syrian conflict and the Palestinian conflict in Beirut. And that was a lot of that time was just building relationships with people there. Um, I lived like very close to these places. And that was a big one. It's like when people ask, where do you live? Or like, when are you leaving? And it's like, oh, I live in Aynel Romani right down the street. Um, like I'm not, that's a big one um, in the photojournalism world as they call them parachute photojournalists. They'll come in for like a week or 10 days, take the world press photo picture and then head out. And I right. figured you need to have some type of connection to the place if you're going to speak for it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in your experiences, you know, in Lebanon, living there for two years, what were some of your takeaways about just people and humans in general? You know, where you were meeting all kinds of refugees and, and other people who probably did not have the best interests uh, for other people. Um, and I guess, what have you like learned in your travels around the world about people and humans in general? Um, I've had a lot more trust in people. I think there are a billion misconceptions especially coming from the west of the united states um i think the world is a lot less dangerous than we like to make it yeah absolutely i mean that being said like being in these areas that like are deemed dangerous i've sometimes i've never felt safer like in beirut you know no one's going to steal anything from you no one's going to really double cross you the whole place could erupt the next day which is ultimately why i left but it was also like you know that I just met the warmest, kindest people I've ever met. And some of my best friends are still over there. And I'm sure you had similar experiences where it's just like, um, yeah, they're just, I mean, they're people like, and and there's many more good people out there than there are bad. Right. Yeah. After traveling in Southeast Asia, um, one of this family invited a friend and I to their house for dinner and they just, cooked us all of their food pretty much and gave it to us and made us eat all of it. And I was just like, you have nothing and you're being so generous. And it's such a crazy experience to meet those people, but they're everywhere. Yeah, that's the majority, right? And I think the people usually have the least to offer the most is like, yeah, uh, that's a really beautiful experience you had. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so getting into a little bit more of like the uh, logistics of being a photographer and being a photojournalist, Um, If you're comfortable talking about kind of the business aspect, I would love to hear a little bit like a lot of people think it's impossible to travel and impossible to, you know, go live in another country or make enough money to do that kind of stuff. So how has that worked for you? And and is it hard or is it just kind of the same as other life? Uh, I mean, it's my life, so I don't know anything different, (laughs) but it, it is fucking hard. And the hardest part is usually coming back home and not like fitting into a box right so that's something we could all like talk back into like when i'm out in the world i'm doing my thing and then i come back here and it's like all right how do you you fit in here i don't but i'm able i'm so lucky to be able to come from here that has these resources that i can draw on and the connections that are made here um that being said it's been like five years of just building a network and understanding what the industry looks like and then having the industry change while you think that you have an understanding of what that is. But if I was saying you should get anyone getting started, um, workshops are a huge resource, which I would highly recommend. It's worth the investment a thousand percent. Um, 
just working with an experienced photographer um, and doing that. I did one or two of those, built up a portfolio of something solid enough that I felt like I could bring to photo editors. Photo editors are the gatekeepers of the industry. Um, they're the ones who are going to give feedback. Um, and then there are all these portfolio reviews and photo festivals and workshops around the world that you can get into. So the more, the deeper into that world you get, you start hearing about different photo workshops um, around the world that you can get sponsored for, you can get accepted to. I fund a lot of my travel through grants, which I've been fortunate to draw from the Berkshires. They've been very generous to me. Um, let's see. There's been like this summer, I just did yard work um, to be able to pay for a project that I thought I was, I was just really inspired by and I thought I needed to do. Um, I'm also fortunate. I don't rely on my family too much, but I'm like, we're both fortunate to know that someone will come get us out of these yeah. places. So um, cool. doing it responsibly is a big one for me. Like, I don't want to be that kid who like, goes into Syria and disappears and stuff. That was, um, I mean, that's a reality that we saw in Beirut. It's like you go into the coffee shops and you see people who are like foreign journalists who are missing in Syria. And wow. that's just like, it's, it's real over there. It's a different world. So you just, you, you absolutely have to be careful. And that's been a big one on my mind is like um, trusting myself and just wanting to be responsible at the end, the end of the day like I know it's my life, but I don't want to put I don't want to jeopardize anyone else's. Also working with translators and fixers on the ground, you have to be really careful like what risk you're exposing them to. Um, because we get to leave and they don't. And that's something right. you have to be really cognizant of. Hmm. Okay. So um two things I want to dig a little bit deeper into. One workshops, which you've mentioned a few times, and then uh, the research you do before a project and kind of the inspiration for different projects. So in terms of workshops, like uh, how do you find them? These are specifically photography workshops and what have you specifically gotten from them um, in terms of like connections or resources and stuff? Absolutely. Um, let's see. Well, Stan Meyer, who I've apprenticed with, I'd say leads probably the, some of the best workshops I've uh, experience because he just he takes a real personal interest in you and he'll for better or worse kick your ass until you <laughs> come up with something good um but that kind of he teaches you like how to do a magazine feature like how what an eight-day story would look like um of you spend a couple of weeks before researching a story project you find he finds a fixer on the ground for you through the workshop which taught me how to do that hmm. um so you find someone who's going to do the legwork um, once you're there, um, of all the logistics basically. And, um, then he'll sit and edit with you and that's, and just go deep inside your head and basically tell you you're not good enough until you come back with something that's good enough. <laughs> that's super helpful. Um, so I'd recommend doing workshops with photographers that you respect and admire, like gaining how they see the world. There's, that's a huge source of income for them also. So pretty much if, whether it's street photography, photojournalism, or documentary, I'm sure you'll be able to find someone that if you like, you can figure out a way to study with them or under them. Um, in terms of photojournalism, there's like three or four main ones that exist to kind of have under your belt. Uh, the 
first is Eddie Adams, which is a great one in upstate New York, where you accept about 50 people from around the world a year wow. to um, participate in that. And that's kind of like boot camp for like a week on a farm where they bring in the photo industry and the, all the editors and you kind of like they do portfolio reviews and teach you like the tricks of the game. Um, there's the foundry workshop, which is in it changes locations every year, but I've heard that one's a great one to get started. Um, but I haven't participated. Seven is the agency that I mentioned who I'm a huge fan of. So they always post um, workshops on their website. So I keep an eye out for photographers. I've studied, I think, under both of the photographers under seven because I really respect the work that they do. Um, so I've made it a point of doing that. I did their master class last year, which was uh really fucking hard but it was worth it um and let's see and then there's the jupe sport uh world press photo master class which is tough to get into mm. but it's that's high on the list cool. um but that's for photojournalism specifically nice um yeah it sounds like a really good opportunity i i don't know if there are these kinds of um opportunities for other skills but it seems like especially with photojournalism um, and especially with impact work specifically, like people want to help other people and, you know, it's hard to make a living doing impact work. Uh, so these is, this is a good opportunity. And then there's also the ethical side of like making a living off of it. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. And then in terms of projects, how do you come up with ideas uh, and then how do you execute on them? What's your timeline look like? That's what I agonize over all the time um, mm. because um, traveling really helps like the seeds of ideas come from that um, just being out in the world and kind of having your finger on the pulse of what's going on yeah. um, it's like you're kind of the, on the front lines of what's going to be happening so it can literally just be like go like I've had it in there's the bar in Beirut where all the journalists hang out so they that's the back door to the rest of the Middle East so you have people coming out of Iraq and wow. what's going on in Kurdistan and how the Turks and the Kurds are fighting right now. So like you, like you literally just kind of have a gossip channel to what's going on. So that's what I was trying to do more of while I'm out in the world to just kind of like pick up on story ideas. And then it's research is a big one that I'm always feel like, I mean, I have deep insecurity about it, having not studied in a formal setting of like how to do proper, proper research, but there's all the NGOs, um, UNHCR, World Health Organization, um, UNDP. Partnering with NGOs is a great one. I've done that a couple of times um, because they have all of the information and then you're mm -hmm. just the photographer. So I've gone on assignment a couple of times for NGOs, which is really helpful. Um, and they will pay you a nominal fee. So you, like, you make something off of it and then you get the story. Um, but then there's a whole other side that if you're on contract for an NGO, it's tough to, you like being in the editorial world, you have to figure out what their, what the rights um, are and stuff. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. So in terms of traveling, I think that what you mentioned uh, about, you know, having your finger on the pulse and meeting all of those other journalists is something that happens to people when they throw themselves into the life that they want to lead with purpose and passion is you're just exposed to a lot of other people who do it. 
And then that is ultimately what elevates people out of um, the beginning efforts and into the actual career and life of it. So what has been your experience like meeting those people? And then how have you managed to build relationships with them? Um, yeah. 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 You just hit the nail on the head and that's, um, what's tough about coming home is you kind of lose that network or it feels like it. Um, that's been instrumental, man. And that's almost why I like, uh, workshops is just the people that I've met in workshops. They're just my peers and my brothers and sisters, and they've supported me so much. Like we're all each other's fans for the most part. I mean, it's very competitive industry, but everyone's like pushing for each other and I keep in constant contact with everyone. Um, I was just, I sent a video of a protest to a photographer last night. Um, and it turned out he was in the video um like a year before we had met each other we just happened to be at the same protest so that's crazy it's a serendipitous very small world and as you said like once you're just once you throw yourself into something like there's like-minded people that just build you up um and you learn so much from those people cool uh in terms of the future right now we're all stuck inside because of corona but uh looking forward what are some some projects you want to work on and uh, how are you aiming to develop your passion and purpose over the next five or 20 years? And what kind of like real impact are you looking to make in the world by connecting, you know, these issues to the people who want need to see them? Uh, that's a great question. And I'm if you don't have the answer, little... just no. talk through it. <laughs> uh, this, is, this would be great therapy because I've been sitting at home trying to really think this through. Um, I don't think I have the answer other than in terms of projects, I have a million that I would love to do is just finding the resources funding and being able to do them responsibly. I would love to go to Kurdistan. Um, I hear the Kurds are just like most incredible people in the world and they're facing a lot of hardship right now, especially Mm -hmm. from the international communities overlooking them um, and what Turkey is doing to them. That's basically ethnic cleansing and they're trying to wipe them out. So um, going to the Kurdish autonomous region in Iraq um, was a project that I was going to be working on this year with another photographer walk, talking about how water rights were going to be used against them um, from Turkey, how they're going to be blocking dams to punish people downstream. Wow. So that's top of my list. I would love to do that because um, I think it's really important and I don't think too many people know about it. The logistics on that is are really tough. Um, being American kind of like helps and hurts in those situations. Um, cause we don't pay for kidnapping ransom and, you know, just being an American, but actually I shouldn't say that I've only received respect and love as an American abroad. I've felt very little animosity, especially in the middle East, which is a huge misconception. I, like, uh, we are not hated over there. That's good to know. Um, uh, what was the rest of the question? Yeah, uh, well, something that I was just thinking about while you were talking is it seems like what you've primarily been focused on is uncovering situations that most people don't know exist where people are marginalized. And specifically, I think a lot of the work you've done have been in places that, you know, a lot of people don't even know exist, right? Like Georgia, I've never heard of until I talked to you, which is, you know, maybe uh like i i should have at some point but 
my geography is just not that good, especially of Central Asia and the Middle East too. So, and we also think it's a state, or I thought it was a state until I went there. Yeah, as in, right, right, exactly. Um, yeah, state in the U.S. So I think like something you could focus on, just an idea, spitballing, is like kind of the that area of the world is so unknown to most people, um, but there are so many people who are really struggling living there, and and that could be really interesting for you know five or ten years to just like get really deep in that area of the world. Yeah, thank you. Um, actually, that's a good point. I've been back to the Caucasus maybe four or five times now because one, I just, I love it so much and it's just so rich in history and stories and it's, I, and I don't understand why, but it's like pretty unknown, um, but it's such an interesting place. It's where Europe meets Asia, um, the Silk Road went through it and then there's just like these ancient civilizations that live there. Also the Soviet in, um, influence is really interesting. Um, how these these uh, countries are adapting to a market economy. Georgia is really interesting in that aspect is they're trying to westernize and they're kind of the, like the um, the buffer against Russia um, and their economic and political system. So th- there's just so so much happening in, in these really small areas in the world that get overlooked, but they're kind of like the linchpins for all these social and political movements going back and forth. Yeah, that's crazy. You talking just now really exposed to me how much you know that I don't know. Uh, there's this fun graph that's like what you know you know, what you don't what you know you don't know, and what you don't know you don't know. Yeah. And what you don't know you All don't know. All I know is, is like, I don't know anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so hearing you talk about this, I'm just like, wow, there's so much to learn about this part of the world and it's so unexposed to most people. Um, so a little bit to circle back to photography, a question I was wondering about is you know, earlier you talked about how you can show one image and and tell such a profound story. Um, But I think for me, like, as a photographer, a lot of times the story behind the photograph is really important too. Um, And so kind of talking about those environmental factors of how a place has changed for the last five or 10,000 years, right? Or, you know, 50 years or whatever. Uh, And, you know, how that photograph comes out of a situation can be really important. Um, What's your, your thought process about like using words or video with photos or something like that absolutely um captions captions are everything you you need captions um especially in the professional side of things like a photo isn't a photo unless it has some explanation behind it Hmm. um i think a photo has the potential to grab attention more than anything else like i don't think it's necessarily the best thing to tell a story um but it, and obviously it depends how things are exhibited, right? Because like you can tell a much deeper story through documentary or writing an article. Um, but I think like the genius in photography is trying to encapsulate an issue into something that you can just grab someone's attention with and then make them stop, look, and then think, and then get, and then make them think about what's happening behind that photo. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, it's words really are going to, be what does that so I, I try and write as much as I can with my photography um and then everyone's always experimenting I think that's a huge one is like just multimedia and different ways of of storytelling because that's ultimately what it is it's just visual storytelling and photography's the kind of birth of that but we have like this is a magic wand that we can you can do 15 second videos and tell stories everyone has it 
for those of you on audio, a phone, not iPhone. No, no, it's, it's cool. Yeah. Speaking of, of phones and captions, uh, something that I'm curious to see uh, what you think about is, is social media and Instagram and stuff. Um, I was describing you and what you do to people. Uh, and I had to be very clear that you were not an adventure photographer, you know, someone who's trying to get followers on Instagram and pair with brands and, and go and take pictures of beaches and stuff. Like what you're doing has a lot of meaning and purpose behind it. And I think a lot of Instagrammers don't really. Um, so in today's world, when photographs are so ubiquitous and so many people take them and so many people travel for maybe the wrong reasons, what do you think, or how do you, how do you differentiate and still build an audience, um, around something that's meaningful? Yeah, that's a tough one, right? Um, but that's well said. Um, I try really to put content first. Like I'm not trying to build a following. I'm just really just trying to spread what I experience out in the world. Cool. Um, that being said, I do have a few beach pictures, which got me. But in those <laughs> spots, there's the spot, right? That worn down piece of earth that everyone is taking the exact same photo on. And everyone's crowding each other for Yep which gets to me, um, but probably shouldn't actually get over. But yeah, I think um, I appreciate you saying that because there's adventure photography, but I think it's really about going deeper and that's about ultimately spending time with people. Like you said you did, mm. like you have to have dinner with them, live with them, sleep with sleep, like yeah, experience what they're experiencing before you can, you have the right to even like say what, their experiences like so like that's what i do in most of my projects is like i try and it's more than empathy you're just trying to figure out what it's like living in their shoes to some extent um that might be going a bit far because you know again i get to leave and come back here so fuck me still i think that's a really important point yeah a lot of like you said a lot of people will just go in for a week and take pictures and then leave right and especially when I was traveling in Asia, I was there for six weeks and it felt like I didn't really like learn about any communities and I just kind of would go have fun and then leave. And I think it's really important to live somewhere for many months before you actually understand it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that being said, there's like the professionals who come in and out and that was a big thing in Syria. They're saying is um, a big one is there are a lot of amazing photographers all around the world now where you don't need to send people places to tell people's stories for them anymore. Right. Like you, right. Um, we should be highlighting the work of the people there. That being said, the longer you stay in a place and this happens to me back home, um, the more blind you go to some of aspects of it. So that's kind of the job of photojournalism specifically hmm. is to Interesting. Kind of lend a mirror to what's going on. So Super the example cool. that they were working with in Syria is they were, they couldn't get people into homes to photograph what was going on. They were trying to train local photographers on the ground to photograph what was happening around them, but they were just photographing their families and kind of like everyday life, but not the destruction that was happening around them, what, what the rest of the world needs to see. Wow. Um, because you're kind of like, I mean, how would you photograph your surroundings, right? right. You, it's your subjective, um, so the job of the photojournalist ultimately is to be as objective as possible and to come in with this outside perspective and say, look, this is what, like, this is. Yeah. That's super interesting. I have never thought about it like that, but 
yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, even in the U.S., there's so much going wrong that we just don't really talk about, but we've kind of accepted it as normal. And I think that's really powerful to say that you have to go somewhere and see something with fresh eyes. And um, that's really cool. Yeah. So, okay. To wrap us up, um, I have a few last questions. One is, uh, what do you, what does authenticity mean to you and how do you embody it in life? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I guess it's just being honest, right? Like you always have to be checking yourself. And if you have a set of a code of conduct you live by, or especially if you preach, you better be living by it. Um, so I think being as authentic as possible is like, is the holiest goal to be looking for you living for but it's a damn hard one right like yeah you and the more you learn the more you know you realize the less you know so what you thought may have been authentic earlier was just your ignorance so right i mean that's what i'm i don't mean about anyone in general i just know that about myself no that's so true yeah and i'm um working in the middle east was really tough on that aspect of it. it was just like making sure like I was going in there with as pure intentions and not falling into any tropes or traps. And it's so easy as like an outsider or as a white individual to like, I don't know, just like stick to, there's these, these harmful narratives that happen. Um, and that's what I want to be careful, especially in my the work documenting conflict is often these, you make these places seem like they're miserable places in general. Right. Which isn't necessarily true. They just have um, horrible social um, issues going on. But the places like Tbilisi in Georgia is one of the most beautiful places on earth I've ever been. But yeah. if you look at my photos, it doesn't look like it because um, I found the people who aren't living that way. Um, so that in terms of authenticity, that's a huge one, right? Because um, you can go into the Middle East and find conflict and war pretty much anywhere there but that's also there's so much more going on there um and it's such a beautiful place like i can't describe it that's what i can't do through photos is just like the way people live there the way they conduct themselves the honor um the brotherhood that is just that transcends what i can do through photography so sometimes it feels dishonest photographing people but Hmm. At the end of the day, that's what I try. I think photography has the potential to do is just show what um, something objective. Although that's another debate to get into is you can't be completely objective with photography because it's my, it's the beholder's perspective. Um, I haven't really thought about some of that stuff, so it's it's good to hear. Uh, and then I think also in terms of trying to balance the conflict and the the beauty of life is something that comes with authentic living also is, you know, authenticity means you're living the lows and the highs. So yeah, I like that. Um, and then just the last question, anything else you want to say? Super open-ended. Um, no, I'm just more interested in your podcast. I think this is really interesting. And I really, cool. I really respect it. I think you're doing Thanks, man. great work. And then um, just the last one, anything you want to or like plug, Instagram, website, anything like that? Oh, um, let's see. My Instagram is my name, Jake Gordon. Um, I'm 
building a new website whilst in quarantine, which would also be my name. Um, and yeah, I think those are the two places you can see most of my work. And then it's been published a bit out in the world, but that's what cool. I'm mostly trying to work on. The last thing I guess oh, yeah, I would add, um, when trying to figure out projects, it's I've caught myself going backwards in terms of trying to find projects I want to work on when I think ultimately the work that comes out strongest is work that you want to advocate for. So like mm-hmm. finding an issue that like I'm not telling a story with the something that I feel needs me. Um more awareness right rather than like yeah something that you can advocate for i think is the best way to find a story much for being on the show and um it was great to get to know you a little bit and hear about your story excited to share this with people thank you so much for listening to this episode of the authentic path podcast this is your host phelan sugman lash telling you to apply what you learned today in this episode and enjoy the day because today is a great day to be alive All right, see you next time on the Authentic Path Podcast.